We're going to continue this morning, the seven summits. And if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. We're, just, we're, we're going to look at the whole chapter, but we want to read the first five verses this morning. And this is summit number four, the summit of purity, is what we'll be taking a look at today. Proverbs chapter 7. Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, gives us these instructions. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your kinsmen. They will keep you from the adulteress, from the wayward wife, with her seductive words. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the wisdom that you provide for us in our lives. God, we thank you that your word is true. It's without error. God, we thank you that it pierces our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, today I pray that here in this place that we would examine our hearts, examine our lives, and may our lives be a clean and pure offering unto you. In all that we do and the things that we say and how we treat other people, as we raise children and how we interact with our spouses, Lord, however it is in our lives that you've placed us and whatever you've called us to do, Lord, may we come to you with a clean hands and a pure heart. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The summit of purity. Now, Pastor Robbie, it's amazing how all this sort of worked out, right? The youth pastor is going to be talking about purity. Now, automatically you may be thinking, well, we're going to hear about sex, drugs, and rock and roll from the youth pastor. Well, we know that that is not examples of a pure life. But we're going to take a look here at Proverbs chapter 7 of an amazing passage that Solomon lays out here before us of evidence of how important, number one, the role of the parent, specifically in this case the father, in the influence and in the uh, godly leading in a young person's life. But we're also going to be looking at this, uh, this area of development in a human being, in a child of God, hopefully, by the time we get to this 7th and 8th grade years of their life, as they will be faced, while they're in middle school, those middle school ages, well, they will be faced with much temptation. Now, I don't know about you, but I can remember being a middle schooler, and there was a lot I learned in middle school. Some good, but a, probably a lot more bad that I didn't want to know. And so parents of middle schoolers, you're beginning to, to um, understand that, discover that. And so we see how important, how vital these years are in the life of a believer, in the life of your child, in the lives of those children that you influence and teach, maybe as you serve here on Wednesday nights and on Sundays. And so these formative years around the age of 13 are so vital and important in what's going to be the next step as we look next week, the summit of purpose. Because God, as a believer, God has called all of us 
for this great perfect plan, this purpose that He has for our lives. And what can happen once we've come to know Jesus like me, I was around 11 years old, and then around 13, 14, 15 as we go through those teenage years, that purpose that we knew God had called us to do when we were saved and we were beginning to discover that, what can happen is we can jeopardize that by living an impure life. And so, um, in like has been in the case with the other summits, these summits are not only uh, for this 7th through 8th grade years, but these are sequential and concurrent, as you've heard your pastor say over the past week. The, these ideas, this wisdom, these truths that come from Proverbs are for all of us. And we need to go back and revisit those. And so this summit of purity, um, the celebrations that you know, you've, we've talked about some of those and actually have witnessed a couple of those with baptism and baby and parent dedication. And so this one, dads, moms, here are some opportunities for you at these ages of 13, for dad, for you, I'm, I'm talking to myself when I say this, when that daughter gets to the age around 13 years old to where you go out on that daddy-daughter date and speak truth and wisdom into their life and let them know how much you love them and how much they are precious in your sight and in God's sight. Then for that father-son rite of passage, I love to hear the story of Pastor Robbie's um, event that he did for Kent and his rite of passage. And I can't wait, as my son's only four years away or so from being at that point, of this rite of passage for that father and son as you begin to speak again truth and wisdom into his life as he develops and grows in the Lord, living that pure life that is focused on that purpose. And so this summit of purity that we're going to take a look at today is, uh, this is an amazing passage of Scripture of so many factors that play into the development of a young believer and in the family's life. And so we find here as, as Solomon is talking, he's, he's saying in verse 2, and I love this one out of all of them, it says, keep my commands and you will live, guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Now, we can be uh, tempted through all facets of our being, whether it be through our ears, through our mouth, through our mind, through our heart, whatever it is. But I want you to think about how God gave us two eyes, and we many times when we see something, the lust of the flesh begin to take over, and that's when we go and partake in that temptation or give ourselves over into that temptation. So I want us to think about this morning how our eyes can uh, deceive us. And so, here, we're going to play a little game. A little game for you this morning. We're going to do some optical illusions up on the screen. Now, be a good sport about it. Try really hard, okay? Especially those of you to the wing sides over here. As you look at the screen, we're going to put a couple up here. And, and, and I want you to, um, as you look at these... I want you to see how your eyes can play tricks on you, okay? So let's put the first one up there. All right, now look at the dots, any of them. Pick one out and focus on it. And then watch what happens with your peripheral vision. Do you see the black dot inside of the white dot? Can anybody see that? Oh, good. I'm, it worked. Half of you half of you saw that. So let's try again. Look again. Look at the center, maybe the center white dot. Can you see the peripheral black dot? Some of you are still... Still, you got it? A few more hands going up. 
okay? So you see that. See how our eyes can play tricks on us, and none of those white dots have black dots inside of them, by the way. All right, let's do another. Okay, now this one, you got, you got to use your hand, all right? It's a little, little audience participation here. You, or you can use your finger, whatever, your hand. And so what you're going to do is you're going to put your finger or your hand where the two colors divide, the brown and the white, and then notice what happens to the bottom block. See how it changes colors? Now it's lighter if you look at it without that divide, but then you put your hand over it, and now they're both the same color. Raise your hand if you see it. Everybody say, good, it's working, it's still working. The eyes are playing tricks on us, right? So now this next one, I, I wish I had a, a, a video of what you all are doing right now because some of you are still trying to see it. And, and so this next one, I can't wait, and I wish I did have my phone ready. In fact, I think I am. I think I'm just going to go ahead here and take a little video because this one's going to be really neat in how you all... Uh, react to this. Now the next one, it's going to say shake your head like this, all right, as you, as you watch it. So let me get queued up here. All right, now shake your head back and forth when you see this one and tell me what you see. Somebody got to shake it fast. I think I heard a kid say, I think that's Tom Brady that I see. That's who I thought it was. And so how many of you can see the man that I think looks like Tom Brady, right? And so our eyes can play tricks on us. Now this one, you know, we got to, here at God's house, we got to make it spiritual, right? And so this next one is really cool, but you got to read quick, and I'm going to give you a little, little cheat sheet at the beginning. What you do is you focus on the four dots, and then when the image goes away, you turn to one of these white walls, and you blink your eyes real fast. Okay, and then you're going to see it. But this one takes a little time, so just bear with me. Focus on the white dots in the middle of the image. Let's see if we can get that one up there. Some of you are still shaking your head, looking at Tom Brady. Let's see if we can pull that next one up. Don't have it. Well, to, to, to let you know, um, we, don't, we don't have it back there. Okay. Um, to let you know what the next one was, and you can go look this up. It's an image, and you look at four dots in the middle, and then for 30 seconds you focus in, and then some of you have probably done this before. Here, here we go. All right. Here we go. Now you're ready. I don't want to give it away. Stare at the four dots in the following picture for 30 seconds. Look at the wall near you and start blinking your eyes. What do you see? All right, focus really close. It's only going to be up there for 30 seconds. I wonder what it's going to be. Some of you are already looking to your right and left on the white wall. What do you see? Anybody? Yeah, we see Jesus. That's right. In fact, Heather was drawing it on the wall. She saw it. 
And so, our eyes can deceive us. Now, here in this story, we're going to see how a young man's eyes caused him to take an impure path. We're also going to see through the eyes of the storyteller here, who is Solomon, speaking to a young man or young men. In fact, if you look at the beginning parts of Proverbs, Solomon is talking to young people. And so we're going to see here in this this passage how important it is for us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So I want to ask you this morning, where are you looking? Look with me here in verses 6 through 8. Solomon has already, in verses 1 through 5, given the instruction of how important it is for us to keep God's commands, to allow the teachings of God's Word to be the apple of our eyes, to write them on the tablet of our heart. But look in verse 6. At the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked judgment. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. So the first question I have for you today is, where are you looking? Where are you looking? We find here in these scriptures that this young man thought he was hiding something. He thought that he was going to a place to where no one could see him. In fact, Solomon had to look through the lattice in order to see what was going on. He thought that what his behavior was going to entail was going to be something that he could keep to himself that nobody would know and it would be a secret. And notice that he knew where he was going to look in verse 9. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. So his eyes were fixed on a spot and a destination where he thought he could go and find happiness. See, not only um, here in this passage as we're going to look at, and you maybe see it titled above, Subtitled above chapter 7, Warning Against the Adulteress. I want us to understand how influential our pop culture can be on our young people. Think about the influence of movies. Think about the influence of media and music. Think about the influence that we see as our generation of young people, specifically as we're targeting today, these around the age of 13, are constantly being exposed to technology, constantly being exposed to so many things that have their attention. Their eyes are being exposed and they see so much more than I ever saw when I was in middle school. And so the influence of these things are what is causing so many of our young people, to fall. And you say, well, what about music? What about um, the things, you know, you, you as a youth pastor are supposed to tell them to not drink and not do drugs and not smoke and not chew tobacco. You, you as a youth pastor, you're supposed to tell them to not have sex outside of the bonds of marriage. And, and you know, as, we're supposed to know that all these things that we are ingesting into our body or doing with our body outside of who we are is the bad thing. But I, I want to focus here for a second no pun intended, that all of this begins with our eyes. You think about music for a second. Music paints a picture, a visual image of 
something that may be a fantasy land for an individual. Are you with me? You think about television shows and what kind of fantasy land that paints, a picture, a visual image that, they, that, that a young person sees and they say, that is something that I want to be like. For example, we think about music. We think about here in good old Madison County and the country music that many of our dials are turned to. Think about the pictures that are being painted as those lyrics are coming out of the speakers in our pickup truck. And those little ears that are beginning to see and understand because they know the songs by heart. The beat is catchy. And so it's, it's what everybody else is listening to. And so then all of a sudden they begin to see that with their minds and, and specifically with their eyes. And so they're looking for those opportunities. You think about, for, for me... I, Disney Channel should be, should be safe, right? But as you watch, and, and, and I'm not encouraging you to do this, kids, but parents, if, if Disney Channel's on the dial at, at your home, I, I tell mine all the time, I say, let's, let's, turn this, let's turn the channel, this is trash, because it paints this picture of how dumb the dad is, how um, the, the mom's ruling the roost, and the kids are fooling everybody in the house doing things behind their parents' back. But you're saying Disney Channel. How did that happen? It's painting this picture that our generation of young people are seeing. Now, it's not just Disney Channel. It's all media. We think about social media, and I don't want to get on that soapbox for a second, but how much time, screen time, is this generation of young people, this specific age group that we're targeting today, how much screen time will they have by the time they are 18 years old? Now, technology is a tool that can be used for good, but it can also be a tool that the devil uses to cause these eyes, these innocent eyes. And as we see here in, in, in verse 7, Youth who lacked judgment, who don't know any better, stumbled across something. And so, where are you, young people, and us as parents and as us adults? Where are we looking? What are we looking at? Where, where are you looking to with your eyes? What, what are you trying to find? See, this young man, he knew where to look. Look with me again in verse 8. He was going down the street near her corner. So he knew where she was at. Walking along in the direction of her house, he knew where she lived. And how did he know these things? Because he saw it with his eyes. He saw it with his eyes. So it's, it's, it's not only the purity of our eyes, but it's the purity of our ears, the purity of our bodies, the purity of our minds, it's the purity of our hearts. But think about the filter of our eyes. Today, where are you looking? I can think. I can remember when um, my dad and my family and my mom, my sister, all of us, we would ride down the road, and we would be riding down the road. You know, being a good hunter like my dad is, 
Um, what would he all say? Hey, look at that deer right over there. How many of you do that? You know what I'm talking about? Hey, look at that deer right over there. You see that deer? Look at it. Just right over there, right on the edge of the woods. And, and, and I can remember as a little kid going, where? And he'd point, and I'd look. Oh, yeah, there it is, a C3. Right over there on the edge of the ball field. There they are. Well, my sister, she would want to see the deer. I want to see the deer. Where's the deer at? Where? And so he would point and say, there's a deer over there at the ball field, and this is what she would do. I don't see it, Daddy. Where's it at? Where's it at? I don't see it. And she was trying so hard to see the deer, and it was pointed out by my dad when he put, put his finger over here. He said, there it is, right over there near the ball field. And I would look, and I'd follow these fingers. and say, yeah, there it is, right there. Sometimes we'd turn around and go back. Look, look at the deer. Some of y'all have done that before, right? But she was looking in the wrong place. He was pointing it out. He was saying, it's right over there. And she's like, where? Dad, I don't see it. Go back. Please, turn around. Many times that's why we turned around. Because she couldn't see it. Some of us in our homes, we need to point out where the truth is. Point out where Jesus is. Point out uh, the wisdom in our children's lives. We need to point it out. Because they, they don't know. They don't know. They're, they're learning this, and they need someone to point them. God's given us the wisdom, so let's point them to it. Let's point them to it. Because that, like my sister, she desperately wanted to see where that deer was at on the side of the road. She was just looking in the wrong place. How many of our children in our homes aren't even pointing the right direction? So where are you looking? Second thing tonight is when are you looking? Look at me in verse 9. So he knew where she was at. He knew where her house was at. He knew where to look to uh, have a little fun. But look at verse 9. This this plan was all laid out. Okay, It's something that in his mind's eye he had already planned out. And so now look at verse 9. It says, At twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. It's not only where are you looking, but when are you looking? When are you looking? It was nighttime. It was dark. It was getting dark. You've probably heard all the time that nothing good happens after the sun goes down. My dad used to tell us when we were teenagers staying up all night in the summertime, you're getting your days and nights mixed up. We know that things happen in the dark when we think nobody's looking. See, the father here was present in this young man that he's trying to teach, his son. He was present to point this out. He said, it's dark outside. It's twilight. As the day was fading and as the dark of night was to set in, the father was there and present and knew where his son was at when the sun went down. Father was present, and he used this opportunity to teach his son. You know, we—I've shared this, and I, I don't know if it's original with Pastor Robbie, but young people today, I want you to think about halt. We've talked about halt many times: hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And when does that happen? It happens at night. 
And we think nobody is watching. And we think nobody is looking. And we're most vulnerable, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Then all of a sudden, what happens? The old devil begins to creep in and begins to give opportunities for temptation to happen. I can think about growing up, some of the things that, that I did as a teenager. They all that were bad, that, were, that, that I knew that I wasn't supposed to be doing. They happened at night. So when are you looking? See, this young man, uh, uh, Solomon was looking through the lattice because he thought th this... This youngster thought that nobody knew. Nobody's around. It's dark. Nobody will ever find out. So when are you looking? Third thing. Now here's where there's a crossroads. He knew where to go. He knew where she was at. He knew her house. He thought if I go at night, nobody would be looking. Nobody will know. And, and, and it will be a big secret. But now watch what begins to happen. Is Now he's crossed over into this domain verse 10 it says then out came a woman to meet him dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent she is loud and defiant her feet never stay at home now in the street now in the squares at every corner she lurks she took hold of him and kissed him and with a brazen face she said i have fellowship offerings at home today i fulfilled my vows so i came out to meet you I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep of love until morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. Third thing today is who or what are you looking at see the, this father solomon he saw this event that was ultimately about to happen here in front of him this adulterous woman had laid out this whole plan she gave this perception that she was religious notice she talks about those fellowship offerings She even pointed out, she said, you know that you came to look for me. You, you knew where you were going and why you were going there. And so here it is. All out in front of you, she paints this picture. And so, all of a sudden, our um, message this morning maybe started headed into the PG-13 rated R area. You say, we shouldn't be talking about these kinds of things at church. Listen, if we as God's people and as God's families don't talk about it, then they're going to learn it from the world. So what are you looking at or who are you looking at? See, when we think about um, pornography for a second, says the average age at which a child first sees explicit pornographic content online is the age of 11. And many of them, it's because they stumbled upon it. You say, that's not a problem here in America. Oh, it's definitely a problem, and it's a major moneymaker. $2.84 billion annually in America are made on pornography. 
And why did Solomon thousands of years ago focus on these young men? Our young men in our country and in our world and in our churches and in our homes are being attacked. 70% of men 18 to 24 visit a pornographic site in a typical month. Started with the eyes. See, this young man got to this point, this crossroads in his life. It just didn't happen overnight. It wasn't just something that he decided one night to get up and walk down the street. This is something that had been going on in his life over a period of time that began with his eyes. And so here it is laid out before in this picture that's been painted, this visual stimulation of immediate excitement and this perceived fulfillment and adventure that was laid out all before him here. And now there's a choice that has to be made. Young men, young ladies, there's a choice that has to be made every single day of our lives. Honor God with a life of purity or not. So he's at the crossroads here. She, she has seduced him. And now he has a choice. And I want to point out too the immodesty of this young woman. Now we'd like to point fingers at her and say, well, she's the reason that he failed. Well, no, we've already talked about why this was a case of this young man building up to this point of having this opportunity. But I want us to think about the young lady here for a second. Why is this young lady acting like this? Why in the world would someone act the way she is acting? And so I, as I've done many times in marriage counseling and premarital counseling, and, and I'm talking to myself when I say this, it's dad's fault. You say, wait a minute. It didn't even mention her dad. Well, I, I, how, how is it dad's fault? What, surely it's her husband's fault. And we're going to get to that. But, but how, is it, how is it dad's fault? Why is it dad's fault? I don't get it. He's not even a character in the story. Yeah. He's absent. Might have been absent for her whole growing up years. She had to, the only way she knew how to act was what she had learned as she had grown up. Living in the world. And so we see here, as we've, we notice Solomon teaching his son that we need to steer clear of these instances Son, this is how you live in wisdom. This is how you live for God. This is how you live a life of purity that honors Him. And so we see the Father's present here in teaching His Son. Look what's about to happen. Look at how this young man's about to ruin his life. And so then we look at the way this young lady's acting. We say, man, what if somebody would have done the same thing for her? What if somebody would have been there, Dad? I'm talking to myself. Dad, what if somebody would have been there to love her and, and tell her how precious she is, how valuable she is when she was 13 years old, when she was 
eight years old, when she was six months old, when she was 18 years old. Dads, think about it. What if that would have happened in this young lady's life? Things could have been different. Things could have been different. And so not only do we see the role of the, the dad being played out, and, and I'm not, again, I understand that it is the lady's role, especially inside the church and in the home, for, for ladies to teach young ladies. I, I totally agree with that. But those ladies that are going to teach young ladies were led by husbands that love God and are the spiritual leaders of the home. See how it all goes back to the husband and the father? It all goes back. The family, the marriage, the child, the unit that Satan wants to destroy that is called the family. Men, listen to me. It rises and falls on us as husbands and fathers. So, what are you looking at? Verse 21. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Little knowing it would cost him his life. How unfortunate we see this being played out all through this whole picture of wisdom found here in Proverbs chapter 7. And it, why wasn't someone there to warn him? Who is going to be that person there to warn him and her? Who will be that person, those people that will tell them Living this life of purity that honors God has great purpose and fulfillment that lasts for an eternity. Who's going to be that person? Who are going to be those people? Thank God Solomon was teaching his son so this could be avoided. And kids, you may be saying, well, my mom and dad, they think they know everything and they think that, that, that they got it all figured out and all they do is go around telling me what to do and bossing me around. Listen, it was put into place by God in His covenant. Children, listen to me. Lean in close. It was put in place by God and His covenant and His Word for the parents to be over you and to lead you. And kids, listen to me. Big kids, listen to me. And it is honoring God for us to submit to their authority and honor them and obey them. God's Word's clear about that. 
Paul lays it all out for us there in Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6. The roles of the family are plainly laid out there. And notice what it begins with. It begins, and I know I keep going back to this, it keeps going back to the husband and the father. You think the answers are found in what's going to happen first Tuesday in November? The answers to our world and the impure society that we live in are found in men of God that are going to stand and do what God's called them to do as husbands and as fathers. That's what's going to be the, the difference maker. That's what's going to be the catalyst for change. So why are you looking? See, this young man, he thought. As he walked into this trap, this would be a good time. But this would make him happy. And it cost him his life. See, we can choose to sin, young people. Teenagers. Young adults. Adults. We can choose the sin. But we can't choose the consequences. See, it cost this young man his life. It cost him his life. And no doubt, if he was a child of God, we don't know the answer to that. If he was a child of God, think about the purpose that was set before him in his life. And all of that was gone. In one impure choice that could have been avoided. So where do I start? What do I do? Look at look at look here at verse twenty four as Solomon ends here. Well, how, where do I go from here? Notice how he teaches his son. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. But if you go back, if you look at Proverbs and how Solomon wrote this, it's an A-B-A format. So in other words, you go back to where you started at the beginning of the chapter in verse 2. What do I do? Where do I go from here? What do I learn from this? Application. It says, keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. As we saw at the beginning, our eyes can deceive us. Our heart is deceitful and wicked. Where do we go for direction? Where do we go for wisdom? We go to God's Word. Where do we go? 13-year-olds, 18-year-olds, Six-year-olds, children, where do we go for wisdom, God's Word, and those people God has placed in authority over you, your parents? If we don't heed that, it costs us our life. Let's bow together.